Thanks, Martin. Hi, everyone. Great to be with you this evening. Um, Our reading today is from Matthew chapter 2, and it is verses 1 to 11. So grab a phone, a Bible, follow along on the screen, close your eyes and take it in. Sometimes I like to listen that way. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. How do you feel about Christmas? How do you feel about Christmas this year? According to a YouGov poll, which was taken recently, 76% of Brits like Christmas, 7% dislike it, and 14% feel neutral about it. So if you were surveyed, where would you fit into those categories? How do you really feel about this time of year? I'd be in the 76%. I absolutely love Christmas. I love it more than my own birthday. It's my favorite time of year. And there are a couple of reasons for this. Firstly, my family are very low-key people. We don't do very much to celebrate things like birthdays and anniversaries. For my parents' anniversary, we might order a pizza if we're feeling like, you know, doing something special. Usually it's Papa John's. We tried Domino's a couple of weeks ago. They liked it. Um, for birthdays, we buy a shop-bought cake and give each other a card. That's pretty much it. But for Christmas, it is a completely different story. We decorate, we put lights up, we bake a traditional Trinidadian Christmas black cake with quite a lot of rum in it. We play Christmas music and carols. It is an absolute celebration in our house. And as a child, this was so exciting. And as much as it has to do with our Trinidadian traditions and keeping those alive, The main reason why we celebrated so much was because Christmas was really important to my parents. To them, it was the most significant thing to happen in our lives, Jesus coming into the world. And so rightly, we celebrated it in true style. But for some people, as the poll indicates, they don't feel so excited or positive about Christmas. And actually, the past couple of years have made us really look at and examine Christmas closely and maybe even question it. You could be of a completely different faith and Christmas doesn't hold any significance for you at all. Maybe you don't believe anything at all. 
Maybe you see the gluttonous, commercialized holiday set against the backdrop of the cost of living crisis and the continued issues and struggles that not only our society faces, but the world as a whole. Maybe it's a time of year that makes you feel a bit contemplative about the year that's gone, and that can bring some sadness with it, disappointment. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by the year that is coming up ahead. And I know that usually I'm excited by the idea of a new year, but I've been feeling a little bit of that myself. So whatever you feel about Christmas, wherever you're at right now, I always think it's really helpful to get some perspective. And the YouGov poll, and so far the way that I've been talking about Christmas, is like it is an event. And that's how the poll questioned. It was listed in the event categories on the website. But Christmas is not just an event, and it's really easy to get swept up in the lights and the adverts and the films, but that's not what it is. And it's really cliche to say. So it begs the question, what is Christmas actually about? What is the meaning of Christmas? Well, at the heart of our passage today is a message from God on how he feels about us. And we see the answer here, that the birth of Jesus we celebrate at Christmas is not just an event, but it is God showing us how much he loves us and giving us hope. It's about how he meets us. It's about the value that he places on our lives. It is God inviting us into a relationship with him through Jesus. And it's also about our response to God and Jesus as well. And that's why I love Christmas. So let's look at verses 1 to 2 and delve into this. Firstly, Christmas is about how God meets us and how much he values us. As we see in verses 1 to 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. As seen here, the wise men, as we know, were called the Magi. We actually did a survey before the... Uh, service started, you say Magi, Magi, Magi. Um, And we can see that they came from the East. And there's no real firm consensus on exactly who the wise men were. Um, I don't really know much about them. and, And we don't really have any firm answers on what they did, who exactly they were, where they came from. And each tradition, whether it's Western or Eastern, will give them different names, different ethnicities. Usually we talk about three kings. They give three gifts. But some uh, traditions actually see them as a group of 12. The time of year that they visited Jesus is debated. And some of that you may be familiar with. But what we can know from looking at this passage is that the Greek word magi, or magi, often translated as wise men, actually gets its origin from a Persian word, which means and denotes that they were from a religious group that were astrologers. So they actually looked at and studied and followed the stars. And again, the word east leads some people to think that they were Persian philosophers or priests. From verse 2, we can see that it was telling they were familiar with the stars because they used a star to find and follow Jesus. So these mysterious figures, they're quick to appear on the scene, then they disappear quickly off the scene again. It's really easy to overlook them. And I know that I've done this previously too. But the message here is clear that God doesn't overlook anyone and no one is beyond his reach. 
It says in verse 4 that when Herod had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they replied, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. And then they recall a a verse from Micah, um, which talks about Bethlehem and a ruler that is to come. So none of these chief priests or religious teachers, even though they had this sound knowledge of the scriptures, understood Jesus for who he was or paid him any attention. But the wise men, on the other hand, right from the start, recognized Jesus' significance, even if they didn't fully understand who he was at that moment in time. The wise men, in contrast, are the ones who travel from afar to come and seek Jesus out, compared to these chief priests in Jerusalem who are disturbed by the news of him and don't even bother, despite literally that they're on his doorstep. So even though they're not Jewish believers, despite coming from a completely different place to Judea, even though they've been dabbling in the stars and believe something different and are strangers in a way, God knows each of them and he reveals himself to them. He speaks to them, he calls them, he guides them to Jesus where they bow down and they worship him. Do you see yourself as worthy? Is a story you're telling yourself not a very nice one? That you're not good enough, that you are a bad person. Maybe you're looking back on the year that you've had and the disappointments or regrets and you're thinking ahead to the year to come and it's not looking bright. Likewise, are you looking at the people around you who you really want to come to faith and our world and are you losing a bit of hope that that will ever happen? Don't. The message here is clear that Christmas is a very reminder that God values each one of us and he loves us so deeply. The message here is that God is for all. He doesn't discriminate, he doesn't exclude, he doesn't overlook, he doesn't neglect, forget or reject us. He gave the entire world while we were still sinners, while we didn't even know him, his one and only son. Christmas is a reminder of how much we mean to him, his generosity and his kindness towards us. So it doesn't matter what we've done, what we've said, what we've thought. It doesn't matter how uh, bad we think that we are or undeserving or unworthy. The reality is that for God, we are enough. And not only does God value us, but he actually comes to meet us. We may read of the star in this passage and it sounds a little bit obscure and weird and lots of people have looked into the star and tried to figure out exactly what it is and what it means and what it was at the time. But what we see here is that God uses something that the wise men are familiar with in order to reveal himself to them. Even though they started by believing in the authority and the power of the stars, God uses those very stars to guide them to the truth to guide them to Jesus. It shows them that that's who the ruler of the world is. They say themselves in verse 2, when we saw his star, we have come to worship him. The stars belong to God and they were under his dominion. When has God ever spoken to you in a strange and obscure way, but it made total sense? I want to share a story really quickly about a time where he did this with me. And it's one of many, um, but it is really fitting because it fits with uh, our reading today that God values us. 
a couple of years ago, it was back around like 2018, just before I started my job here. Um, I'd come back from Disney World. I had a job out there. That's another story that I could tell you about another time. Um, and I thought it was going to be the best job I ever had. And I was going to move out to America and work there. It was awful. I hated it. I came back with really bad anxiety, really, really bad anxiety. And on top of that, um, because I was feeling anxious, I, I knew that exercise was really good for you. So I decided to go to a boxing class and get moving, get fit, get those endorphins going. And I went to the exercise class and I was doing the warm up in the first five minutes and I jumped off an exercise box and my knee went pop and I couldn't move. I was lying on the floor holding it. I was like, what have I done? So I tore three things in my knee and I was in physical pain, I was in emotional pain and I was struggling so much to look at myself and to see my own value and to see my own worth and to see hope in the world around me. And one day I was going to see my grandma and previous to this, my mum knew how I was feeling. So you know people give out those flyers in the streets and it's like, God loves you, have one of these. My mum loves collecting those and bringing them home. We've got a little stash. So she gave this one to me and it said, you are special. So I read it and I thought, oh, that's really nice. Yeah, it speaks to me. This is really comforting. But a, a couple of days later, I was walking to go to my grandma's and I was hobbling, like looking down at the ground, feeling awful. And there on the floor was this flyer that my mum had given me. And it was all trampled and trodden on. And I thought, is that mine? Have I, have I dropped it? Did I bring it with me? But it wasn't. Um, it was just chucked there. And I want to share with you the message of it today. You'll have to bear with me because it is a little bit cheesy. Um, but at the time, it spoke to me because it was exactly what I needed to hear. And to this day, I have this framed and hung up at home. It says, you are special. Believe it or not, there is no one else that is just like you. Your physical appearance, your voice, your personality traits, your habits, intelligence, personal tastes, all these make you one of a kind. Even your fingerprints distinguish you from every other human being, past, present, or future. You are not the product of some cosmic assembly line. You are unique. But the most important fact of your identity is that God created you in his own image. You are special indeed. God has total interest in you as an individual. The psalmist wrote in one of his most beautiful prayers, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew you even before you were born. He had plans just for you, plans conceived in love. As you appreciate God's constant concern for you, you must begin to understand the awfulness of sin. He loves you so much, yet how often have you gone your own way, turning your back on him? Through sin, God's great design for your life is always blocked because his eyes cannot hold sin. But even in our sinful state, we are still precious to him. He sees us as individuals with great value. How else has God been speaking to you? How is he speaking to you right now? In the same way that we see God speak to these wise men, it's the same way he meets us in the birth of Jesus. For some, the idea of God becoming man is absolutely unfathomable, and so is the virgin birth. It's literally a miracle. But just as God used the stars to direct the wise men towards him, something they understood, in the same way he sent his son into this world. Jesus is our very own star. 
Recently, my cousin gave birth to Rocco. He's tiny. He's about six weeks old. I went to hold him. I'd never held a baby so small before. And he's so cute. And as I was looking at him, I was thinking about the life that he had ahead of him, all the things that he could accomplish, all the things that he'd encounter and go on to achieve, all the things he'd have to discover. And it filled me with so much hope and wonder. And God becoming man in Jesus isn't a flex of his power. It is a sign of his humility and his understanding for us. In his vulnerability as a baby, navigating the world as a teenager, his life as an adult experiencing loss, pain, anger, shame, rejection, being an outsider himself and dying on the cross for us. God became man and the wise men met him. And God became man so that we can meet him today. And the wise men didn't just meet Jesus, and that was that. Meeting Jesus is a life-changing event. In the final couple of verses we read here, verses 10 to 11, it says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the last verse, verse 12, is the last thing we know about the wise men. It says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Upon meeting Jesus, the wise men were filled with joy, with joy, with joy and awe. That should be a new word. They respect him, they admire him. They honor him by giving him gifts. He's a baby. He doesn't need any of those gifts, but they want to show their respect and appreciation. And after they meet Jesus, he sets their lives on a brand new path. In verse 12, that dream, the readers would have understood this as God speaking to them, because in the Old Testament, often God spoke to people through dreams. And here we see that they meet Jesus and the paths of their lives change for good. Our response when we meet Jesus is full of joy, awe, worship, adoration, and the course of our lives changes forever. The wise men didn't go back the way that they came. Instead, God started them on a new path. And we don't know anything about what happened to them next, but we can kind of infer, knowing that our God is good and kind and he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future, that that's exactly the way and the lives that the wise men then went on to lead. As we come into land and wrap up, one final thing I want to do with you is share uh, what John 1, which is one of the readings that we had last week at our carol service. And often at Christmas we read this passage and it can be quite wordy. I know that I have to read it a couple of times to understand exactly what it's saying because it can feel a bit clunky. But against the backdrop of just this passage, I wanted us to read it again, because the meaning of Christmas rings loud and clear. In John 1, verses 9 to 14, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh 
and he made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He made his dwelling among us. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not overcome it. We didn't have to be back then with the Magi in that specific moment in time to encounter Jesus and meet with him and have the path of our lives change forever to know our true value and worth. He dwells with us here today. He is the light constantly shining for us, guiding us. And this is the message of Christmas. It is our hope that our futures are bright and the reminder that we are never alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much, that you gave us your one and only Son. Thank you that no matter how we see ourselves, what we do, what we say, that your love is greater, your love is stronger. Thank you that you value each and every single one of us. You made us unique. You handcrafted us. And that you hold us in the palm of your hands today. And thank you for Christmas. Thank you for this message that you value us and love us. And most importantly, thank you for Jesus, your son, whom we can have true and full life with. In Jesus' name, amen.